The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anybody see Richie? Anybody know why he did Bobby Lupo? Hey gang, Kevin Goatee gutting the sacred cow. What's going on? Oof, we got ourselves a doozy documentary filmmaker. Jeremy Newberger has come on to attack the second highest rated film on the AFI list, and that is Casablanca. Before we get to it, please go check out guttingthesacredcow.com every single day for blog pieces. You know you'll love That Doesn't Happen and other pieces, movies we've seen, movies we want to see, movies we wish were never made, so on and so forth. And uh, hey, listen, if you want to advertise, guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com. And here we go, Jeremy Newberger trying to take down uh, Casablanca. Later. Gather round, here's what I know. It's just that this cow has got to go. Lunch? No. Lunch is for wimps. Kevin Israel, I admittedly give you or giving you a hard one. If you pull this one out, I'll absolve you of all of your previous failures in film. Isn't that Wall Street? Holy shit, he got it. <laughs> Holy fucking shit. He pulls out. The- you know why I know that quote? Why? Because <laughs> that's the scene they're watching in Boiler Room. Yeah. When when they're when they're trying to show that they're all just like dweebs who learned everything about finance by watching Wall Street. <laughs> yeah. Very good. I threw, I was like uh, he's not going to get this one. This is a uh, this is a small niche, but whatever. Good on you. Congrats. So not only did I get that one, but I associated it to another movie. So everybody who gets pissed off about me doing this, fuck you. Roaring way to start off our podcast. How's it going, everybody? <laughs> Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel, gutting the sacred cow. We're back. Thanks again for joining us yet again on another voyage of hilarity, tomfoolery, and general debauchery. Today, we are joined by Jeremy Newberger. Jeremy, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Good to be here. Jeremy, for coming on, Jeremy, we like to do our credits at the top. Tell everybody what you're up to, where we can find you, all that good stuff. You know what? You, you, your signal died just as you asked the question. I assume you asked what I'm up to. Is that God what damn it, fucking signal. Yes, I was asking, what are you up to? Where can we find you? We're going to do a little credits at the top. So what are you up to? Where can we find you? And what are you working on? All right. Well, I'm Jeremy Newberger. I'm a documentary filmmaker, and I'm also a, a Twitter person. Of notes, <laughs> and, uh, 
You can find me on Twitter as Jeremy Newberger. Uh, it'd be to find my films because documentaries are a little hard to find, but the usual places, Netflix, Amazon, that kind of shit. Whoa. Right. Order- well, throwing, right. out, throwing out the blue check mark against us already, Kevin Israel. <laughs> I know the gauntlet has been thrown. But to be fair, I've seen people who are verified with, you know, 1,000 followers. So I don't know how much water that really holds these days. But nonetheless, impressive. Jeremy, what's your favorite film that you've done? Um, my first film. What? It's a uh, road comedy about two scientists who document endangered languages. And it's, well, it's kind of like Indiana Jonesy kind of thing. What's the title? The Linguists. Nice. Oh. How many yeah. shitty puns have people made us in cunnel linguists? Yeah, a lot of them. <laughs> I still see people. I still still see people with that in their like Twitter profile, and I'm just like, oh, okay, original. <laughs> yeah, because we all know the real players are the anal linguists. All right. <laughs> Jesus. Casablanca is Jeremy's choice of films today. If you can imagine that. Hmm. Kevin Israel, this is the second uh, highest rated film on the AFI, and we've already done one by Joanne Nojasinski, who did Citizen Kane. Jeremy's gone for the next highest film of gusto, Casablanca. 1942, a budget at the time of $1 million, a gross of $10.4 million. Turn that into 2021 money. I did. $16.8 million budget, $168.7 million haul in 2021. Let's also not forget, released, like I said, in 1942, smack dab in the middle of World War II, so less people seeing films. I would say that is a pretty goddamn good ROI. It's also impressive that they made this movie during World War II about World War II and a like a controversial topic it's uh when i when i watched this movie i thought that it was made after world war ii and then i went and looked up some of the facts and i was surprised that they pulled us off during the war well i just might have something to say about that in my five fun facts segment well there you go it's a perfect lead-in segues (laughs) damn it we're not there yet because we have to do the imdb as we all know as a scale one through ten with decimal points Jeremy, our guest will go first. Jeremy, venture a guess what you think Casablanca scored on IMDb. Out of uh, what number is the highest? One through 10 with decimal points. I'm going to say 8.7. Kevin Israel. I'm going to shoot for the moon and go 9.6. 8.5. Wow. <laughs> Jeremy, almost coming close to two showcases. Yeah, not bad, right? Not at all. Kevin Israel, Rotten Tomatoes. You know it. You love it. It's a one through 100 score. Kevin Israel, critics, Rotten Tomato score. Oh, this movie has to be in the fucking critics, darling. Uh, 94. Jeremy. I'm going to go higher. 98. 99. Someone's got two <laughs> showcases. <laughs> well done, Jeremy. Look at this. Someone. Wow. Coming out of the gate strong. Jeremy, back to you. Audience Rotten Tomato score. What do you have? I mean, you got to imagine that there's people are being real because no one's around. If people are being real, I'm going to say it's like an 88. If people are just like, oh, you have to like this one, then it's higher. But I'll go with 88. Kevin Israel. I'm going to price this right, this bitch, and go 87. <laughs> 95. 
All wow. right. Go, brother. Wow. Jesus. They're yeah. full of it. <laughs> they all grew up with Turner classic movies on a nonstop loop. That's my assumption. Quotes. I forgot how many quotes this film oh, legitimately had after a rewind. I go, holy shit. Crazy. The, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the, the one that stood out to me that was not a, uh, a ringer. I stick out my neck for nobody. That's very Han Solo-y to tie into Jeremy. Oh, Church. don't start. Don't. I have like a whole section in my notes. Do you? Okay. Uh, play it, play it, Sam. By the way, also learn it's not play it again, Sam. It's just play it, Sam. Of course, yeah. all the gin joints in the world, she had to come into mine. Here's looking at you, kid. And I have, and I had forgotten that we'll always have Paris. And I think this is the beginning of a beautiful relationship. We're part yeah. of this as well. Kevin Israel, what quotes do you have? Did you clock? Um, well, you took all, all of the good ones as per usual. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, uh, the Germans wore gray and you wore blue, which is like a second tier quote. Like you've seen that repeated in other movies. Right, but it's not quite. Here's looking at you, kid. And then one, the one I liked was, uh, was where? Oh shit! Where did I do it? I don't mind parasites, just cut rate ones. Yeah, that was good. Jeremy, any quotes stood out to you, sir? Do you realize how many times did you clock? How many times he said he was looking at you, kid? About four or five. I, 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 I guess. I was gonna say. Yeah, I was gonna say five, four. Four. There four. we go. Four is the answer. I couldn't get over how many times. Busted that out quite a bit. Everybody has a catchphrase. You don't have one? That was always my catchphrase. What's wrong, Kev? Uh, here's one that I, I, I'm doing more research. I kind of jumped off a, a little bit off the, the page. Round up the usual suspects. I thought one of you was going to put that one down as well. Yeah, that was a good one. And it, and it pops up in later movies. A ton. Uh, now it's time for five fun facts. Five fun facts. Five fun facts. Murray Burnett and Joan Allison, co-writers of the unproduced play in which Casablanca was based on, signed off, signed away all rights to the story and characters for a then record sum of twenty thousand dollars. In nineteen eighty-three, they filed suit in nineteen eighty-three and were ruled against, but. Warner Brothers gave them each $100,000, and also they traded away the, the rights to produce the original play, a play that opened in London in 1991 and closed one month later. <laughs> but wait, 40 years to fucking sue after this thing had taken on such a you know, head of steam to be one of the greatest films of all time? Why not wait till Y2K then to really make it a nice even number instead of 1983? I guarantee you one of their grandkids was like, Grandma, you know, you really should have sued for this. So like, I don't have time for that. Like, well, I'm a lawyer now, so I'm going to do it for you, Grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> Number two, another reason I say the AFI can choke on a beluga-sized whale dick. They determined the number one quotable film of all time is Casablanca. Apparently, they've never heard of a little film called Caddyshack. Ha. <laughs> Fuck these people. Number three. Yeah. Don't, don't you dare get me started. I'll be here all goddamn day doing lines back and forth. 
Several, number three, several of the actors and directors were victims of the war, some of, the, some of which were in concentration camps, and some of them had family members die in concentration camps. So the film, during filming, hit home for a lot of the actors in this. Wow. Yeah. There were, number four, there were two short-lived Casablanca TV shows in 1955 and 1983. The recent one had starred a uh, David Sewell from Starsky and Hutch. I never watched the show. And featured Hector Elizondo, the hotel manager from Pretty Woman. Scatman yes. Carruthers. Yeah, Scatman Carruthers from The <laughs> Shining. And more importantly for us, Kevin Israel, Jazz from Transformers. Yep. And a 20-something-year-old Ray Liotta. Oh, can you wow. imagine? Can you imagine that? Ilsa, Ilsa, you just flushed fifty thousand dollars of cocaine down the toilet, Ilsa. <laughs> By the way, that that, that nineteen eighty three show <clears throat> shot five episodes, canceled after two. Oof. I don't know how that wasn't just a huge hit. Sounds like it should have been amazingly successful. That or the new Coke? You tell me. <laughs> The film was rushed from a release date of 1943 to November of 1942 to coincide with the successful invasion of North Africa. There you go, Kevin Israel. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I hope you propaganda. Yeah, you think? Yeah, American cinema did that? No way. <laughs> Kevin Israel, I think Jeremy Newberger is really itching here. I already saw, saw him pull out his Sally Jesse Raphael glasses in anticipation. <laughs> there they are. It is now time for Ask a Gutter. Jeremy, we have one question, and that's from Lord Snurts on Twitter. Thanks, Lord Snurts. You love this segment, and we love you for loving this segment. He asks, does the impact of the movie diminish because it's been referenced or parodied so many times throughout the years? Here's looking at you, kid. That quote and others had no effect. Yet, I'd still laugh at a Simpsons parody of the same line. Not at all. As a matter of fact, I mentioned Gone with the Wind. I know. I think you said you didn't like it, but I actually loved Gone with the Wind, only having seen it last year. And and half that movie are things that I've seen parodied, you know, this way and that way. That to me is not a deterrent, uh, it, you know, to to learn why everybody likes something. That makes it kind of fun and interesting to me. And that was the only enjoyment I took from Casablanca was seeing, you know, oh, okay, this is what, you know, people are quoting this line all the time, or this is a reference, or like you pointed out, the similarities to other filmmakers that were influenced by this. But it it just, his performance was so hammy, it took me out of it. But I I like when they reference, you know, when you come across a film that's been referenced, that's always interesting to me. Great. And that's all we have for Ask a Gutter. Sorry, I got serious on you. Now time for, yeah. for Jeremy to gut the sacred. Gut the sacred, sacred cow. cow. <laughs> Boy, I, hope that, I hope that came out better. Yeah, you wanted to look. I am. I know what's going on. It's, not, <laughs> it's supposed to monsoon here any minute, but it has not yet. I don't know why. Oh, yeah, that's... Jeremy, go right ahead, sir. The floor is yours. Well, thank you. Thanks, both of you, for having me on this incredibly clever idea of a show. But I, I should say this, that some cilantro and some people don't like cilantro. So that's where I'm going to put this review of Casablanca. I, I don't like Casablanca. You may like Casablanca. Don't fucking get on my oh, case get, for this. Oh, they're going to get on your so case. Here, 
Here's why I don't like Casablanca. By the way, I'm a film snob. I love movies. Citizen Kane, I would never trash that. I love that one. But this one, this has several big problems for me. I'll start with the first problem. He is a character actor in maybe 43 years of age that we're supposed to believe is in a romance with this 27-year-old hottie, Ingrid Bergman. And that is a fundamental flaw of this film, that she has wants anything to do with this guy. He's constantly chain-smoking. He's drinking constantly. He's like a boozy, cigarette-smoking, gruff-voiced old guy. And we're supposed to believe that she's cute with him in France. I don't buy it. I think it was miscast. It would be like if uh, if they cast Wil- uh, Wilford Brimley in The Notebook. Or if, if they got, like, uh, Walter Matthau would be... Uh, in Titanic as the lead, as the romantic lead. It's like, what, what were they thinking with this old guy? And Bogart is a classic, you know, actor who's made a lot of great movies. So I don't hate Bogart across the board. I just hate him in this movie. So Go. I think this guy is completely miscast. So he's, you know, he's putting out lines like, I stick my neck out for nobody, you know, and this young hottie we're supposed to believe is in love with him. And so then they flash back in the movie to, Oh, you the meat cute. I don't know if you noticed that because no one would fucking believe there was a meat cute. Uh, it just would never happen. So they jump right to the like cutesy moments of their relationship where he's smoking, they're on a boat, or he's smoking, they're drinking champagne, or he's smoking, he's throwing peanuts at her. He's always smoking. Then when they finally kiss, he's got a cigarette behind his back. He's still smoking while he's making out with her. It just doesn't, it doesn't jive. I don't believe it. Fair. The second thing, this guy is like making comments about how she's like a young girl, how he knew her when she you know, had her teeth fixed, it's like she was wearing braces. It's like not only is he this boozy smoking old guy, but he's like a pervy boozy smoking old guy. And this lady, she was married to like a, a brilliant Holocaust concentration camp escaping leader of the resistance. So clearly she had some standards, but we're supposed to believe – but that guy died. She went on a bender in Paris with some old smoky pervy guy. It just doesn't wash. I don't buy it. So then that that's Rick. That's my big gripe with Rick. The the movie itself is filled with kind of plot holes. And uh, you guys know what a MacGuffin is, obviously, right? Yes, sir. This whole movie is about not getting an exit visa to Portugal. And that exit visa, which is the MacGuffin in this movie, is the, the sort of slow film. I'll explain. Peter Lorre, who's the character of Ugarte, people know Peter Lorre from like monster movies. He goes to Rick's cafe where in public, in front of all these people, he gives him this MacGuffin, these letters, this exit visa that everyone's after. In, in this crowded cafe, this is where he decides, you take this. You know, like no one is watching him. Meanwhile, they're all watching him. The police chief is walking around the fucking bar today he stops at the nazi table we're gonna arrest hey you listen this place is gonna be crazy in just a little bit we're about to make a big arrest so if they're so keen on arresting ugarte how come they don't see that he's squirreling the letters the MacGuffin over to rick it's just like a big hole no one addresses it no one cares and it's not just ugarte it's every character in this film decides to go to this cafe to drop their shit so the nazi comes he's back Aslo shows up, 
he's five tables away from the Nazi. And the Nazi keeps saying, we're not going to let him slip through our fingers this time. The guy's five tables away in the cafe. Just go fucking arrest him. <laughs> but he doesn't. And then the, the guy has an interaction. The Nazi meets Laszlo and he's like, hey, come to the police station tomorrow. Is that how he's not going to slip through his fingers? By inviting him to the police station? And he doesn't know where he put the letters. We all saw where he put the letters. He gave, he's got some, some serious problems. Oh, and then that Ugarte guy, Peter Larey, when they finally arrest him, he makes a dash for the door, turns around and shoots into a crowded fucking bar. Yeah. It's basically a mass shooting. He shoots into the bar and they just go about their business. Hey, Sam, play another song on the piano. <laughs> it's just like nothing just fucking happened. So, how are we supposed to believe any of that? They're having like a table dinner afterward. That's like a scene right out of the can- that's like the, right, right out of the scene out of the canteen in Star Wars. They just shoot Greedo. <laughs> Sorry for the mess. Throws him a coin. It reminded me of Brazil when there's a bomb in the restaurant and they just put like a divider up to block all the carnage. Yeah. And just when it's like, oh, we'll just go about our business. <laughs> so these kind of plot holes uh, about the letter in transit. It just it just rubs me the wrong way. It, these secret meetings and all the things that are going on. It's just not. So then point three is goofy moments. There are a lot of goofy moments in this in this movie. And it's not supposed to be goofy, I don't think. The, the fact that this bar has Sam, the piano player, a full band, a singing woman with a guitar. That's it's like the Copa. It's like a, a talent show is going on at this like weird bar in Casablanca with Nazis. I mean, it reminds me of like the Catskills. I expected to see the the sister from Dirty Dancing singing, you know, you can whack all. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? So yes. it's just like, what the fuck is going on at this place? <laughs> Why is this like the Nazi hangout? Why are like people coming to this thing? And then there's gambling in the back. So it's a weird place already. But when Ilsa shows up, she wants to meet with Sam, the piano player. He doesn't know yet that he knows her from Paris. So he comes, he brings this piano over. Did you, did you notice this? No. It's like, excuse me. He's oh, like yeah, carrying yeah, yeah, the yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. piano over. Right. It's not the piano. <laughs> so that's also very goofy to me. At some point, Ilsa pulls a gun on Rick. Okay. So Ilsa pulls a gun on Rick at some point. How does Ilsa have a gun? Okay. Ilsa can't get an exit visa, but she can get a weapon? What, what are the rules? Some things are difficult to get and others not so difficult. So that's another one of these goofy moments. Oh, and then the prefect, which is the, the French police chief, he, he pulls like a, a, a con on Rick and pretends to call uh, the airport to ready the plane, but he really calls the Nazi. I, you guys remember this moment? Yep. But that, that moment, it didn't matter. They still had the plane ready. They got on the plane and the Nazi didn't show up until he, you know, did the Nazi like miss his Uber? What, why is the Nazi so late to the airport? He got a tip off. It's just that hole in the plot. They didn't, they didn't connect it. So that was my problem with that. Uh, the other thing, this song, as time goes by, these writers couldn't have shoehorned that song like into this movie, uh, you know, more times than they did. It's like, hey, play that song again. Hey, I told you never to play that song. Hey, sing the song. Sam, stop playing the song. Sam. <laughs> As time goes by, as time, why didn't they just call the movie as time goes by? It would have made more sense. <laughs> this is, that, that, that has the same kind of feeling like Frank Stallone having to shoehorn his singing in any of the Rocky movies. <laughs> right, exactly. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. So they knew the guy who wrote as time goes on, I guess. But the other thing in this casino, I don't know if you remember this scene, but all of a sudden Rick is going to go help some young guy get out of the country and he's having a bad luck at the casino. First off, when is the someone beat the casino? It's, it's, I mean, what is he, Trump? It's not, it's, this doesn't happen. This is not like realistic. But he goes into the back and Humphrey Bogart in that voice that like he could whisper something and you could hear like 10 yards away. Hey, kid, play 22. Didn't everybody fucking hear him say play 22? Yeah. I mean, I would have been like, hey, come to think of it, put 200 Casablanca drag mugs on 22 for me also. <laughs> and then him to fucking play 22 again. again. I would have been 22. Put it up. Bro. So, those are the goofy moments. I think here's my sort of analysis of why this movie is so popular, despite all the problems that I've just told you about. It's the quotes. I think some guy saw the movie, you know, maybe the first screening, and he said, huh, of all the gin joints and all the towns and all the world, she walks into mine. And someone else heard him say that, and people just started quoting this thing, and the movie became popular, but a Rocky Horror kind of thing. They just wanted to, you know, get to that part and say, hey, here's looking at you, kid. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention the fact that he's like a much older dude. He's calling her kid the whole time. I mean, <laughs> he says it four times. It's like... Hey, it's like Matt Gates or something. You know, he should have found a much older woman at the uh, Rick's Cafe. There were older ladies there that would have been more suitable. Do you think, so, Humphrey, do you think Humphrey Bogart would have signed off on some old dame on his hands? Like, no, nah, I want some young, fresh ass on this, in this picture. I'm not going to have some, some woman on the wrong side of 29 on my show. <laughs> Fuck that. Well, you know, maybe she's a Casablanca 30. I don't know. But the... the <laughs> I have to say this. I like Humphrey Bogart. I don't think I, I don't like him in Casablanca, but I think he's great in the John Houston films. I think if you want to mm. watch a good one, you know, the Maltese Falcon where there's right. like, you know, he's a great noir gumshoe detective that where I can buy these lines coming out of his mouth. But what since owner of a cafe be this like, you know, grumpy, quiet to himself douchebag who says, I don't drink with my customers. Meanwhile, he's sitting in the middle of the fucking room with all the customers having a drink. So it's not that he doesn't drink with his customers. He still doesn't want anyone at his table. It, it should be like Al from Happy Days running this place, not this <laughs> fucking guy. But what, what a deep cut. Al. No one's which, Al. Which Al? Both. Both Al. <laughs> Asian Al or fat Italian Al? <laughs> all of them. They, but if you, know, if you watch like the Treasure of the Sierra Madre or the African Queen, this guy's got acting range. I think this guy's a brilliant actor. Don't get me wrong. I'm not an anti-bogey guy. But this movie was, like, just ridiculous. He's, you know, he's overacting with the, with, with the character, and it's just a big mismatch. So I, I think I covered everything. I mean, it might as well have been Rodney Dangerfield, you know, going through the cafe saying, hey, kid, hey, what's wrong with this? It was like some big old character actor, you know, in a romance movie. And that's my problem with Casablanca. He should have walked right up to Ilsa and go, oh, with a hat like that, you get a free bowl of soup, huh? <laughs> right. uh, you couldn't resist it. Oh, you don't you give me that 2-0 fastball. Yeah. I'll destroy yeah. it every second time. You open the fucking Caddyshack door for goatee, and he's just going to fall right through face yeah, first. Fine. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, Adam, How did I do? Well, we'll, make any, uh, well, well, we'll talk about it in our points. Uh, Jeremy, before we move on, give me a score, your score, 1 to 10 of... Uh, Casablanca. Four. Four. Okay. Wow. Kevin Israel, why don't you pretend like you're Ricky Henderson and lead off? All right. Uh, it was a sports analogy that I didn't <laughs> yes. get. Um, 
So I haven't seen this movie since I saw it for the first time in film class in college, which was approximately 24 years ago, I think. And I, I remember think watching it and it was one of those movies that I was like, I was, I definitely should have seen it before this, even in college, like people were like, Oh, we're watching Casablanca. This movie's so important. And I was like, yeah, sure. And then it came on and I watched it. And I was sure I was going to hate it. I remember thinking this is gonna be terrible, but I, and I remember not hating it as much as I thought I was going to, but I don't remember anything about it. So when I rewatched it yesterday, um, I almost went in feeling like it was the first time I, I watched it. And then it all sort of came back to me. This movie really does play like fa- like Star Wars fan fiction in a little bit. It's kind of like if Princess Leia hooked up with Luke and then went and met Han Solo at the cantina and he was like trying to get him to help. Like that's how it feels like uh, her her husband is definitely kind of that like naive, but like ready to go Luke Skywalker character. And she's definitely that like strong. Like I could be a heroine uh, princess Leia. And obviously Rick is Han Solo. Like it's, it's so clear that George Lucas based so many of these character, his characters off of these characters. There's definitely influence there. And the whole scene just felt like, like have said in the lead in, it feels like the cantina scene. It, feel, it feels like a lot of scenes. Like you saw it, um, the the opening scene in Indiana Jones uh, and the Temple of Doom, like a lot of like like a lot of that feel was was there. Um, so I kind of I I found myself enjoying the movie more because I kept putting myself in these other movies that I that I really liked. And if you laid this movie out and just described it to somebody without any any explanation about like dialogue or the look of the movie or anything, if you just told them the general plot of the movie, you'd say, "Oh, that's kind of an interesting movie. That sounds." pretty interesting you know it's this this couple trying to get out of this seemingly neutral city that's run by a corrupt government and they're trying to get to america while the nazis are there like that's an interesting an interesting plot line and this former gun runner who seems like he was probably a badass back in the day uh is 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 the is kind of the linchpin to all of this but i was hoping that at some point you'd see that rick was a badass like i was hoping that you'd and i realized back in the 40s you didn't really get that out of movies but you never get you never get to see what Rick was in this other time. And the only other time you get to see Rick in the past is, as like Jeremy said, this weird flashback where it's like, we have to show you that they were in love. We're not going to explain it to you. We're going to show it to you. And it's going to be in this horrible montage of scenes where they're awkwardly. There was no chemistry between the two of these people. There was zero. I couldn't. I, if, if he was like, if it was supposed to be like a father daughter relationship. I could have bought into that. But as far as the two of them being loved, there was literally nothing. Humphrey Bogart is not a handsome man, not by any stretch of the imagination. He's and, and I and I get what Jeremy was saying about his other movies, because it didn't hinge on this. Like, they don't hinge on this idea of him being like this attractive, elusive, you know, mysterious man. This movie. Kevin, what's that? Do you remember there's a moment? I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, go ahead. to support what you're saying right now, there's a moment where the French prefect tells Ingrid Bergman that mm-hmm. if, if he was a woman, he would fuck yeah. her. Yeah. <laughs> Which is such, that was such a weird line just to begin. Even, and especially for back in 1942 for them to say that oh. when men were supposed to be men. Could you imagine a guy back in the 40s being like, yeah, if I was a dame, I'd fuck him. He would have been thrown <laughs> in jail. Like, that doesn't happen. No. Hey, there's no. one. Bingo. <laughs> uh, uh, try, and Rick is supposed to be 37 in this movie, by the way. Oh, my Humphrey God. Bogart. He looks 50 fucking four minimum. 
And, uh, yeah. And, he, and Humphrey Bogart was actually, I think, 42 or 43. I'm 45. And I'm not going to pat myself on the back. I look, but I, I'm, I look a thousand times better than Humphrey Bogart did. Close. And I realize people, people aged a little rougher. I mean, Humphrey Bogart was born in the 1800s. So I, I get it that they, they aged a little different, but trying to sell him as like this 30, I, I know, I guess maybe 37 in the forties was kind of like fifties, but I, I don't know. It's just when he said, you know, and he said, you know, I'm he, and he says it, he says something about it, I'm a 37 year old. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Is this science fiction that this guy's 37? That's craziness. And then, and then, like Jeremy said, they pair him up with this girl who, uh, who only recently had her brace take off, which I thought was an interesting way to say that she had braces. Also, the Nazis in here. I don't know if the makers of this movie had never met a German person before, but nobody sounded even kind of like they were from Germany. They all sounded sort of. Middle Eastern or maybe I, I don't know. I, they, they all had unidentifiable accents that weren't German. German people have the most identifiable accent probably of accents, maybe next to Russian people. And none of them sounded like that unless they were supposed to be not like I know that there were Nazis in other countries that kind of um, assimilated, but they kept talking about being from Germany. They, he That wasn't a German accent. I don't know if there's something that they didn't want to do a German accent, but it, it was just every time he talked, I was like, it almost took me out of the movie because you you know what it, like Colonel Clink, you know what a German accent is supposed to sound like, and none of them sounded German, and so it, it they were, and they, all of everybody in this movie who wasn't Humphrey Bogart had these quasi unidentifiable accents. They had accents, and that's all you could say about them. Like when when she says that she was from Bulgaria, I, like, what's that? Yeah, didn't you feel like? Didn't you feel like the Holocaust was like in this movie? Holocaust was Holocaust. Oh, yeah. oh well, yeah. Clearly, they didn't want to get into like, <laughs> hey, you guys are murdering an entire race of people. Right. Well, what about Laszlo? He escaped yeah. the Holocaust, <laughs> right? And they never say like, was was he a Jew? They never get into any of that. And he's a blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy, by the way. <laughs> right. right, right. Um, you look. I don't see him anywhere. It's just ridiculous. And, and, and the last line in the movie, Humphrey Bogart says to uh, Ilsa, he's like, if you stay here, we're going to end up in the concentration camps. You know, <laughs> stay at a hotel. Right, and right. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I, I think Ilsa's safe from Dachau and the likes of the way she looks. <laughs> yeah, probably. And I, you know... I, Hot will make you free is what it says. <laughs> and I think every 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 male every male in this movie was a little bit creepy. Uh, Renault, by the way, was running the scheme to extort sex out of women. Like that was his plan. And when Rick foils one, he goes, Don't worry, I'll be back tomorrow with a blonde. Make sure she loses so she has no money, so she has to fuck me. <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. Even the bartender. Now you know my pain. <laughs> Even the, you know, and then he's like, "Oh, wait a minute! Don't go home with her that long." You know, it says something right. like, "Right, don't you know, sleep rape her." Everyone was creepy in this movie, right? And they, yeah, and the drunk girl in the beginning, who I guess was like Rick's girlfriend, who gets too drunk. By the way, the makers of this movie have never seen what a drunk woman is like. She was not a drunk mess. I've seen drunk messes. They're falling down, spilling their drink on you, and then throwing up on your feet. That's a drunk mess. Yeah, this lady you had a drink and was just getting a little loud. You want you want real research? Go to headliners in the summer. <laughs> I'll show you. Kevin can show you what real drunk pieces of shit look like. Play it again for me, Sam. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> we got to take then, the out of bridge. It's under construction tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and the uh, Elsa's husband, um, Laszlo, Laszlo is, was the first beta male, I think, in film history. <laughs> Rick tells him that, hey, by the way, your wife stopped by my apartment last night and was did anything to get these papers, but I didn't give them to her. Which, but, like, any self-respecting man would have been like, well, now I have to punch you in the face. Like, <laughs> we have to fight. I'm sorry. And he's like, I understand. Right. Really? Do you understand? Because he just said she fucked him every way she could. And he still didn't give her what, like, at least if she got them, that would have been worth it. But he's just like, yeah, no, I get it. You know, the cause. And then, but then he's like, I love my wife so much that his character, you want to talk about a MacGuffin. His character was almost, was almost like a secondary MacGuffin because he was just this guy getting batted around to serve the purpose of the plot. And he had no personality. You never really knew what his interest in all of this was. He was just a leader of the resistance somewhere and he needed to get to America to do something. And it was just important. He should have had a t-shirt that said the concentration camp. And all I got was this little scar (laughs) on the side of my forehead. (laughs) Um, And then the end, the, the, the the final, like the, the big climax of this movie where they he, Rick has this plan, and and like Jeremy said, and I think uh, Kev Kev pitched in too about it. So the the plan was to get them to the airport, and they were going to get, a, and he was going to hold a gun to Renault, and Renault was going to get him to the airport, and they were just getting under the plane. But then Renault calls the Nazi to come here, and the Nazi doesn't show up. But then at the end, it sounds like Renault and Rick had this all planned out to begin with. Like this is already an agreed plan. So why the gun? Why did Rick need to hold a gun? Uh, <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> why did Rick need to hold a gun on Renault if this was already a plan? And why did Renault call the Nazi if he was already working? Was he working? If he, and if he was working both sides, then he's not likable at the end where he should be like, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Because, he know, he's still an asshole and he was going to fuck you over anyway. So the, that that was laid out terribly. It almost felt like these movies back then, like they just didn't put a lot of thought into plot. Right. Or dialogue. The dialogue in this movie is absolutely atrocious. And I get that it was in the forties and we just, we just did, I think Kevin said, we just did citizen Kane. And no. unfortunately, Jeremy, I, I have to disagree with you. I hated that movie. Yeah. Um, Second, but, that hatred right here. And it was, it, that movie, the problem right. with that movie, that this movie, at least that movie took, What's that? I can't judge you because I just took a steaming shit on Casablanca. Yeah. <laughs> we, we should we should say we don't. I mean, we don't hate it, but it's so fucking overrated. I don't yeah. loathe it. I don't hate it like I hate a Christmas Story or I hate Napoleon Dynamite. But I, this is that is easily. And it's obvious. It's an easy one to make it say this, but the most one of the most overrated films. Oh, hundred percent. 100%. And part of the problem with it is, is it takes itself so seriously. Yeah. Like you can feel how serious and how many, there were so many themes that the filmmakers were trying to get into that movie and so many, and, it, and the movie is just strung together in this big mess. This movie at least doesn't take itself that seriously. Yeah. And the movie does flow along and it moves. The movie's an hour and I think 40 minutes. It yeah. probably could have been an hour and 15 minutes. They could have taken out the whole time in France. That was pointless. It, it does, it does dribble along a little bit. But I got to tell you, overall, I, I didn't I didn't dislike this movie as much as I thought I was going to. I thought I was really going to really going to hate it like Citizen Kane experience. But the movie could be translated into a movie today and it could work. 
obviously it's an it's a it's a fucking 80 plus year old 80 year old movie 80 plus year old movie and there's just it was just a different time like thing you know movie making was just handled differently dialogue and plot and just the pacing of a movie was just different and you see that and they had to have you know first of all there's the there's the black piano player because that's what black people do right they're just the entertainment and then he has to sing a song and there there is almost a musical number in it it was like in the 40s if you made a movie the, the filmmakers would be like where's the musical number not nope. go back until there's a musical number we're not putting this thing out and they're like all right at least it was at least it was the black dude who could play it and sing and not like the andrew <laughs> sisters used to bore you i think stella would be real funny and all of a sudden those three bros are coming right. out hey so you know in in the end for me i i didn't hate this movie as much as i thought it was going to i it it moved along i could see a lot of movies that i liked in it um and how it influenced them and it is ridiculously quotable i mean literally some of the most famous if not the most famous movie quotes of all time came out of this movie so there's there's definitely a value there so in summation will i watch it again probably not but did i hate watching it no and do i get why People hold it in such high esteem. Yeah, because there were so many themes that have trickled out into other movies throughout the next eight decades of movie making. I rest my case. Give me a number. Yeah. Uh, five and a half. Hmm. They're going to come out a little bit higher than that. All right. These notes brought to you by guttingthesacredcow.com, where every day we bring to you brand new pieces of content. That's right. That doesn't happen. One of our favorite new segments where we pick a topic and a film that we they try and pass off as a regular occurrence. And we try and say, no, that doesn't happen in real life. Stop trying to make that shit in a reality. No. We also do movies we've seen, movie quotes, movies that we want to see made, or sequels that we never fucking asked for. Guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com if you're looking to advertise. Notes. Does every French police officer have to have that wispy pussy mustache? (laughs) That mustache screams limp handshake, male feminist, and finds Wes Anderson brilliant. (laughs) Uh, The Italian guy does not sound Italian to me. I I know Italians. We grew up in Jersey. We know Italians. Kevin Israel does not sound Italian to me. Did anyone ever really, really wear a monocle in real life? I've never seen anyone wear a monocle. I've seen these monocles in all these films. I I just don't see that happening. And if so, was it considered bad form to remove wearing a monocle before going down on a woman to prevent them from fogging up? I have a question. Seven minutes in, and we have our first black person. A new record for a film made before 1950. Congratulations. Kevin Israel, write this one down. A new that doesn't happen. As someone who frequents casinos quasi-regularly, I expect to hear a motherfucker yelled out every 3.6 minutes in a real casino. I expect to hear a, well, Look, look who's not making the rent this month every 9.2 minutes. And I certainly look for every 19.6 minutes a blue chip whores on me tonight, boys. I've never heard someone yell out fuck in a casino movie in all the films I have seen that have casinos. That doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, Why let me is- ask you a question. Go ahead. Have you, ever, have you ever heard a national anthem sing off at the casino? Mm-hmm. You, 
You know what? A sing-off no. I have heard it. <laughs> I have heard it in the poker room at the Borgata during the World Cup a few years ago when I had money on Germany versus Sweden only because oh, I'm German. Yeah. yeah. Why the fuck is everyone living in Casablanca if it's in the desert? Are they all looking from safe harbor from the Nazis or looking to get back to Paris via Lisbon? I missed the complete boat. I know that's the place where they all go to get to Lisbon to, ha- to get out of the area. But why is everyone living there unless you're seeking passage outside? Explain that to me. I, I mean, Vichy France was just as anti-Semitic and shitty as the Nazis and also partnering with them. So, right. you know, they sort of put a flag in the ground and said, we are neutral, but they weren't nope. really they nope. were help- helping the Nazis. So I don't know what they were doing in Casablanca, to be honest. Okay. A lot of people living in a shitty desert for no reason. Just noted. Uh, I waited for a Kevin in Israel joke calling me a Nazi this uh, episode, but nope, didn't happen. So we're moving along, I guess. I've grown. <laughs> want to hide? I want to have a good place to hide those letters. Try the here's where things get interesting in this movie section of the script. <laughs> the, the quoting, I'm quoting this. The boy is po- the the boy who's playing the piano. Who is that? That ought to get this movie canceled faster than Michael Richards at the Laugh Factory yelling out the N word, right? Whenever I watch these old movies, these old time starlets, whom all of our grandfathers lusted over, would be a six or a seven at the most in today's society. If I showed my grandfather grandfather's pictures of Salma Hayek, Emily Rajakowski, and of course Margot Robbie. Both of their brain synapses would fire so hard, it would trigger trigger World War II flashbacks in a heartbeat. If, of course, both my grandfathers were still alive. The leading men... Yeah, go ahead. I'm glad you made that point, because when Ingrid Ingrid Berman came on the the screen, I was like, she's she's not that hot. And Ashley's like, she is... Ashley, my wife, is like, she is beautiful. What are you talking about? She's gorgeous. I was like, no, she's not. The girl that the drunk girl that they threw out in the beginning was hotter than her. Uh, I think we all have to admit that. <laughs> and and the and the and the married woman who tried to throw herself to get laid and her husband won all the money. She was hotter than Ingrid Bergman. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. She was the hottest of the film in the film. Thank you. Look, the leading men I at the time. I do think uh, Ingrid Bergman was very hot. Okay. Well, you're the Stand one. By. Yeah. So Ingrid Berman, in tw- Ingrid Berman in 2021 would be the hot neighborhood mom at best. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> at, at this point, I wrote this down. Two men have been shot so far and not a single red splotch anywhere. I guess all the budget money went to mustache wax. <laughs> right. Ingrid Bergman's got Ilsa has got some balls demanding Sam play a song without the goddamn common courtesy of dropping a $10 bill in the tip jar. How about a please? <laughs> I hope when they remake Casablanca, and you know they will, I hope when they remake Casablanca, Ilsa requests Wet-Ass Pussy by Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B. Play it again, Sam. Play it, Sam. One thing classic films annoy the living fuck out of me is driving scenes. There is always too much wind blowing on the actors' faces when they're going no faster than 25 miles per hour. This isn't a Maxell tape commercial, people, okay? Google Maxell tape commercial for all of our younger fans, and you'll go, God damn, goatee and his esoteric references doesn't miss. Ingrid Bergman wearing a shower head for a hat. Not attractive, nor practical. 
Why is Signor Ferrari wearing a fez as an Italian? I don't see Italians wearing fezes unless that's where they hide their Axe body spray. That joke deserved way more than the two you fucks gave it. Just going to call it out. Thank you. My thing froze. That's all. Okay. We'll always have Paris. That's cute. What do white trash say to each other in moments like that? In moments like these, we'll always have cruise ship vacations. We'll always have all-inclusive results. We'll always have the Poconos. The Poconos are for the the Jews. Relax. (laughs) Bonus, we'll always have Red Lobster. There you go. There it is. (laughs) I'm more shocked that his buddy, the corrupt cop, was so quick to do a 180 after Rick pointed a fucking gun at him. Ah, beautiful relationship. I know you've known each other for years and you turn a gun at me. If I would have just met you, I'd be less offended. The fact that I've been paying you off and you're kind of cool and we've been having this off and on, you know, ha ha, pay me and I'm not going to bust your joint up relationship. I'd be a little fucking fueled right now if you turned a gun on me. So (laughs) good point. Summation, I took three or four pause breaks in this movie. I could not get into it at all. The story is fine. But the execution, albeit an hour and 40-some minute, this dragged. I, I, I don't get it. This is a prime example, prime example of a film that had to have been obviously amazing at the time. But remember, little competition. You didn't have four films coming out every weekend in the 1942 weekends. All right? I feel that everyone has been brainwashed to say they love this. And this is a prime example where critics will paint you as a simpleton if you don't like this. I, too, saw this in film class, and I have zero recollection of an opinion on it. But if you did not grow up watching TNT classics or you're over the age of 65, this is not going to resonate with you. But I actually like Bogart in this, but again, he kind of plays that stereotypical kind of tough guy. You guys made some great points though about him just having holes in his character and being a little bit of a bitch and all that. I see you on that. I agree. This is a huge fail on the remote test. Jeremy, the remote test for me is quite simple. If any point you stumble upon a film, you drop the remote and say, yep, I know what I'm doing for the next hour, half hour, hour and a half, whatever. I would flip right the fuck past Casablanca. I just don't listen. Rick is good. He's a good character. Like I'd said, I just don't give a fuck about anybody else. I, I really missed the boat. It dragged four out of 10 for me. And I know we're going to catch shit from the film snobs uh, for damn sure. I just, it didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't, I'm not going to go at you. uh, If you hate this, I'm not going to go, Oh, you love it. I I don't see the love overrated. You know, this movie could have been over in the first five minutes minutes if that pickpocket had stolen the but they didn't go that way right and like you said shooting in an open casino ah <laughs> uh, did we all see casino he would have been taken in the back and had his <laughs> right. head put in a vice charlie m charlie m you held up for two fucking days for charlie m and this is the only movie where you know the lead character got cock blocked by the holocaust <laughs> Well, I guess we know who wrote this film. (laughs) Critics, five-star reviews. Critics, five-star reviews. Critics, five-star reviews. Critics, five-star reviews. This is an occasion where the whole final whole seriously and decisively 
outweighs the sum of its flawed, imperfect parts. Screenwriter Coke lives up to his pledge to develop a serious melodrama of present day significance. Word. A lot of words. Yeah. A lot of words. I must not use words under three syllables. I must not use words under three syllables. Casablanca won't let you down. Not too much anyway. It's a good melodrama. Slightly overrated perhaps, but still good to the last drop, like Sanka. Especially the last drop. Really? I felt that ending was so underwhelming. You don't like airport goodbyes as your ending of your movie? You know, you're not interested in what's going on in the airplane lounge? Bang. The guy, and, and by a shot to the gut and the guy doesn't lay there. We all saw Reservoir Dogs where Tim Roth got shut in the gut and bled out for fucking 45 minutes in the film. <laughs> This guy immediately just drops to the ground dead. And again, no blood splotch, no anything. And as soon as the plane takes off, the Jeep of troopers pull up. Okay. As Kevin Israel said against with Taken, this film should be called Convenience. Yeah. And, and also, that was a five-star review that said the movie was overrated. Very true. Next one. This film, incidentally, provides Bogart with his first great romantic role, and he is an ace high in it. Ace high, not a good hand in poker, guys. Just just throwing that out there. You know what? Can I interject one thing? You may. I, I saw uh, – I, I watched Casablanca recently for the first time. Uh, I know I'm a film student. I just always missed it. That and Gone with the Wind are two films I just never sat down and watched. Right. So I just watched Gone with the Wind before Casablanca. And in that film, you're supposed to suspend disbelief that this very young girl is in love with this old, plain guy head as Casablanca came on and it's the same thing it's just like I, I don't know if they thought like ugly guys with all the rage old ugly guys or what women wanted to see on screen but I just couldn't buy it and I think that's what they were doing back then in that time frame by the way I forgot to add this in my arguments if this film came out today it would be R for one reason and one reason only smoking because all they do is just chain smoke fucking cigarettes one on top of each other. Like they're, like, like they're on their walking the green mile. They got to get all their last fucking, you know, trade in that uh, whatever. All right. Next one. By the way, all she had to do is say, why, why were you with him? He's got a huge hog. And that's it. We all would have bought it. Would have bought it. <laughs> Casablanca is brisk, well-made for those who like romance and adventure and handled by a good actor like Mr. Bogart. What, what are we just trying to go back to the old days and times of calling everybody by their last Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so? That's cute. Well, in case Humphrey reads it, they want to give him the due respect. They, they the, want, in, yeah. in, in the bucket called acting range, what is the difference between in love Paris uh, Rick and down on his luck later in the film Casablanca Rick? None. <laughs> no, Nothing. I, one difference in Paris, he's drinking champagne and in <laughs> Casablanca, he's drinking bourbon, three bottles of it in each scene. True. Last one of this one, apparently Casablanca, which I must say I liked is working up a rather serious reputation as a fine melodrama. Why? It is obviously an important one of the world's worst plays, but is not such an improvement that it, that it is not obvious. I don't know what they said there. <laughs> nope. Yeah, that went over my head like a, an airplane. Okay. Okay. The jokes be flying 50,000 feet above your head. Hmm. And critics, one-star reviews. Critics, one-star reviews. Critics, one-star reviews. 
overblown. And that is the only critics one star review on Rotten Tomatoes. And yet it was so eloquent. Right. Amazon five star reviews. Amazon five star review the booze. It's time for Amazon five star reviews, five star reviews. My 18-year-old son has never seen Casablanca. Since I find it a must-see as an iconic film like Gone with the Wind, also terrible, we ordered it and enjoyed watching it together. My son kept saying, that's where that line comes from. Being history buffs, my son is especially interested in past wars. It led us to explore World War II as it occurred in that region. It was really enjoyable to see him so interested and such a bonding experience with my son. Signed, Macaulay Culkin's dad. <laughs> you should have seen Midnight Express. It's a much better uh, bonding film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know what's the, what's funny about the quotes is the first time I heard all of these quotes from this movie were in in Warner Brothers cartoons. Oh, perfect fucking point. Well, I done. heard him in uh, Steve Martin. Steve Martin's Dead Man Don't Wear Plaid. You ever see that one? Yeah. No, I have not. <laughs> Steve Martin takes all of the Humphrey Bogart movies. And he clips them up, and Carl Reiner makes it funny where he's interacting with Bogart movies. It oh, is cool. a very funny film. Yeah, yeah. I, heard it, I heard it bomb, but I heard it's good. So it's in the queue. I'll get that. That's what I say. Next one. What you've got on your hands is a through-and-through through classic. If you haven't seen this movie, you're screwing everything in your life up. Wow, everything? <laughs> What's the matter, asshole? You have a house. You have a five-bedroom house, and you have an acre and a half of land and a smoking wife or husband, but you haven't seen this? You done fucked up. Yeah. As a 26-year-old who grew up surrounded by exponential technology, technological growth, I was a little reluctant to watch a black-and-white movie that was released in 1942. About nine minutes in, and I was hooked. This movie is incredibly made. Brilliant dialogue, plot twist, and romance. Emotional wartime tension. A must-see for any age. Any age? Any age. Like a four-year-old should be sitting down and watching. The, the wartime tension was just that national anthem sing-off. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> and when the, yeah, that's 100%. You want tension? Go watching Glorious Bastards where they're in the, uh, in the bar. How about oh, yeah. that? Oh, that's, yeah. That's ten- that'll, that'll clench your butthole up. Or watch Schindler's List. That's pretty tense. Pretty sh- tense. Very true. Hard to believe, but I don't think I had seen the entire movie. During a few rainy days when I couldn't get outside for my daily walks, I watched the movie on my elliptical machine. That's it? That's it. <laughs> that's not a review. That's just a fact. That's, that's your gym <laughs> diary. <laughs> that's a facebook post <laughs> tomorrow rowing machine and anaconda <laughs> wowzers the female character calls the black calls the black piano player a boy and humphrey shoots a nazi you can't get much better than that you have white privilege meeting nazi killing clearly calling a black person boy is atoned for by shooting a white person Really extra white since he was a Nazi. I take umbrage with that. Thank you. Uh, kidding. As it's an it's a social justice power play, much better than Citizen Kane. The trauma of which I am still enduring. Rosebud, Rosebud, my behind. I would like to roundhouse kick Rosebud in my action genes just to psychologically process the existential film. Just sorry, process the existential abuse that was that film. Signed, Alyssa Milano. That was a lot to say. 
I want you to look at the first opening frames of Casablanca. This is a homework assignment now, where they do this swooping pan down of the city in Casablanca. And I want you to tell me that the top part of the city did with crayons. And then they quickly cut down to the set, the Hollywood set. It is one of the most egregious drawn in backdrops I've ever seen in a movie. And I'm surprised I forgot to mention it earlier that that isn't in any of these reviewers' <laughs> reviews. It's just sort of Casablanca, this beautifully drawn city. And that's how the movie starts. Yeah, I was, I was expecting one of the uh, Search for the Holy Grail nights to walk by and go, it's just a model. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a sketch. And <laughs> suddenly, the scaler had a heart attack. <laughs> Your joke completely got ruined from like uh, the crap out of the internet. You're going to have to repeat it because I missed it. And suddenly, the scaler had a heart attack. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Worth it. Amazon one star reviews. Amazon one star reviews. Thought I was getting the color version, but received black and white version. No, that person's a dick. Stop it. That person's Stop a dick. Stop it. You know I cut and paste. I don't I don't I just, <laughs> Jesus. Bad move. I know that Casablanca is considered one of the great movies. Had not seen it for a long time. Thank God they make better movies today. <laughs> right. Well, if you only have two things, that review makes sense. Bingo. You have that movie and whatever you saw today. Right. And that happen. <laughs> These are weird fucking people <laughs> reviewing. I'm oh, you have no idea. I'm Wait a minute. Well, we're not done. Louis makes it clear that it just isn't money he wants from desperate refugees. Louis also wants sex. It doesn't matter if the woman is very young and innocent or a wife or a mother. In exchange for sex and money, Louis will provide a fake visa. In other words, Louis is a, silly, is a serial rapist. Everyone, including Rick, knows about it, and apparently no one minds. And indeed, as I said, Rick and Louis are pals. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of those proofs in geometry. If A is a right angle and B is a 45-degree angle, together combined, they are an obtuse angle. Yes. That's hashtag moi aussi. <laughs> nice. Now, this one, reviewed on, in the United States on July 15, 2015. Ready? The tape broke the first time we played it. <laughs> Someone out here in 2015 still watching VCR tapes and shit. That was the space-time continuum that was breaking because you were still watching something on VCR. Kevin Israel... Did Jeremy Newberger gut the sacred cow? You know, this one's close. Uh, oh, it's, it's it's very it's very close in my mind because this re- this is this is obviously it's number two on the list, the AFI list, and there's an undoubtable just historic value to this movie. But uh, you know what? I'm leaning towards yes, he got it. I agree. He did gut this. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Made a lot of good points. Things I didn't think of. But then again, I was in such a I don't give a shit mode watching this film. You could have yeah. told me that he was wearing a purple loincloth with uh, a notable nutsack hanging out the bottom. And I still would have said, yeah, I saw that, too. No, I was uh, I was very much out of this. I agree. You did get the shaker cow, Jeremy Newberger. Congratulations. Your first appearance ends in a win. And yet again, shout it out. What are you up to? Where can we find you? What are you doing? Right now, Oh, well, here I'm back. Right now, I'm on your podcast, which was a lot of fun. Uh, you can find me at KevinIsrael.com. Some comedy dates coming in slowly. Check out my calendar there. I'll be at 
Foxwoods Casino sometime in August. So if you're in Connecticut or in the area, come check me out. And more importantly, please, as we always ask you, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform, five stars and a couple of sentences. Tell us what you like about the podcast, how much you think that this is such a unique type of podcast, how handsome we are. And if there's something you don't like, we'll shut the fuck up. So please do it. It helps us out. And we appreciate it. I couldn't agree more. KevinGoatee.com, GuttingTheSacredCow.com. And please, if you're uh, watching us on YouTube, great. Make sure you have subscribed to us. We appreciate that. If you're listening to us, do us a favor. Pull out your phone and just subscribe to us on YouTube and turn off the notifications. We don't give a shit. We just need the subscriber numbers up so we can get some monetization to put a few bucks in our pocket and uh, pay for some, uh, I don't know, drugs, hookers, one of those two, three. Some live shows. Yes. Live show. We're working on another live show, guys. Hopefully, we can make that happen in the next uh, couple months or so. So stay tuned. Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel. Hey, Jeremy Newberger, you're a, you're a doll, doll, uh, to try and do a Bogart thing. Thanks again for coming on the podcast. We appreciate it, man. Nice meeting you. Take care, everybody, and have a great day. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.